Hey, Michelle, um, what do you call a sea turtle that flies? Oh, goodness. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to collect this and use it later on. You have two kids. This is going to be helpful knowledge. What do you call a sea turtle that flies? A shelly copter. Oh, look. (laughs) (laughs) This is Rhymes with Decora. I'm your host, Benji Nichols. A podcast project of Inspired Media. Bringing you stories tales and adventures from across our region we appreciate you being along with us we like dad jokes we like bad jokes we like all jokes (laughs) especially when our guests are willing to go along with them today i have the pleasure of having with me on the show michelle lynn of savvy history michelle welcome thank you for being here and being willing to be on rhymes with decora it's an honor it's an honor. It's uh, It's been a long time coming as well, I will say. I think the first thing we have to unpack on this show is that um, I have to give you quite a bit of credit for being the final <laughs> kick in the pants to to take the jump and do the show. Uh, you and I were standing on a street corner, I think just down here right on here. water yes. in Winnebago, maybe even during the pandemic, very much during <laughs> that time. And um, I'm trying to remember the exact conversation, but we ran into each other. I saw you on the street, and I have a lot of ideas for a lot of people, (laughs) and this is one that I could not hold back. And I said, Benji, this town needs a podcast. (laughs) And, you know, I I love to have ideas, but it's something I've been telling myself lately, is just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it if there's someone better to do it. And and you are doing an excellent job. I'm so glad you started this. Well, I appreciate it. And, you know, it's an idea that flew around um, for different years with different folks and different things. And and I appreciate, I really do think it was that prompt that planted the seed. Because I think my initial reaction was like, no, I've got too many other things to do. It's a great idea. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to listen. And I think there are some people who are at least listening, which is awesome. So thank you, listeners. We appreciate you out there. But thank you, Michelle, for actually that conversation, because that was, I think, the seed that got planted in my mind and really never went away and started to sprout and be like, okay, this is something we should we should do. Well, I found myself as a remote worker lately. And when I listen to your podcast, and I just told you I've listened to all the episodes so far, I yeah. I feel inherently a part of this community. Uh, just through wow. the listening, just cool. while walking around, it, it gathers memories, it gathers an energy behind it. And, and I have yeah. a pride for my town and I, I get excited in oh, a way that I can't cool. really like reference in you know, you feel that when you're at actual events, but there is something about the town having a podcast. Absolutely. I, I, I agree. And I'm, I'm excited to be helping make it happen. And of course, I'm having amazing guests is what it's all about, you know. And of course, you know, you do have a long history here and a, and a great history and all sorts of roots in Northeast Iowa. Um, I will say just as a little intro first, we've known each other several years. I think we probably connected somehow maybe through music or open stage somewhere along those lines years ago, 2000, yes. mid to. I really, zeros. really looked up to you. I know one of my first ways that I felt like a legitimate, like a legitimate area artist was being featured and inspired. Oh, wow. Uh, one of the cool. 2008 issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Early on. And I just remember thinking this is an excellent magazine. And I, I, oh, wow. I feel a part of, once again, just feeling a part of something. Well, I mean, Erin will be totally stoked to hear that as well. But I mean, you know, her, her entire concept behind Inspired is just helping create those connections across the community, you know, helping people know who is out there, what is out there and what's going on and that you can do something too, right? I mean, it's, that's, it's mm-hmm. all part of the cycle for sure. Uh, a slight better intro for me to give of you perhaps is 
is that um, after years as a full-time musician, um, you gravitated. We're gonna we're gonna unpack that a little more, but you gravitated back towards teaching. Um, you also have your master's degree and a focus on creativity and education and all sorts of really really cool things. So we're gonna talk about all that, I think. But I think uh, starting with music makes sense because that's uh, that's where we started. I think you <laughs> yes. know, right? Um, tell me about your background, I guess, and where you picked up musically. Yeah, uh, I actually have to think of Hannah Breckville from Humble. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I when I listened to her and she said uh, her parents were academics and yeah. uh, that led her to want to seek something more tangible uh, in, in farming. And I grew up on a century farm. Wow. Yeah. And I wanted to do something as abstract as humanly possible. <laughs> and right. I just think that music is a great place to put all those abstract sentiments or. I really like ideas. Yes. Um, like absolutely. I could work with ideas until the cows come home. There's a joke oh, for you. Oh, there it is right there. <laughs> but you, you did. I mean, you literally grew up on a century farm in Northeast Iowa. Yes. So you had that background. I mean, very rooted and, mm -hmm. and understanding what that means, which I think this, you know, there's a whole argument these days that, you know, smaller agriculture is changing and those things and people don't understand. And like, you know, it is an important part of where we live and what we do. So to have that background, I think is a real, um, it's a really valuable thing. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so where did you find music in that process of, of growing up on a farm, transitioning through school, all those things? Yeah, I started playing locally uh, on towns up and down the Mississippi River. And I, I found music through some teachers, uh, through local friends. Uh, I, I specifically remember the first time uh, my eighth grade teacher played guitar in our classroom. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I devoted myself full time to music for a couple of years. And I also have that boomerang story that yes. Peter Krause ref referenced uh, where I went off to Austin, Texas for a while. And then when I thought, where do I want to settle? And really put down my roots and uh, coming back to the Driftless region yeah. uh, was a really great choice for, for my husband, Adam, and I. I, I love hearing that. And of course, I've, I've known Adam for a few years as well, and he's a creative as well and works in some of the same uh, industries that I have in terms of audio and background background things as well, which is cool. And, and uh, you know, we love hearing those stories. And I think that, you know... Um, hearing stories of folks who've stayed here or who have left and gotten experiences and comes back means a lot. Uh, I think it means a lot, not only to all of those of us who live here and create that community then, but also to others who are kind of thinking about it or thinking like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I could move back to rural Iowa or Western Wisconsin or Minnesota or wherever and make a go at it, you know? And I think that's, what's going to keep all of us, um, in viable, cool places to live for years to come. Right. Mm -hmm. But you started in music, you started, um, playing, singing, uh, uh, writing your own songs, doing that. And I think your first project, your first album, would you say, when did you put together? Was that maybe 2005-ish? Yep, 2005, 2006, yeah. Yeah, very cool. And you proceeded to create, uh, I think, about five albums, right? Yep. Of material over, you know, the next several years, which is really, really cool and something that I think is a, an incredible body of work on its own. Um, that's a, was a, a pretty... Uh, a pretty advanced thing for someone to do, uh, especially on their own independently. Uh, mm -hmm. And I know you're just joking that about one of the uh, other places you lived here nearby years back and how you recorded, uh, I don't know which album it was, but the entire album pretty much in that space. Yeah. Right? And how that adds a whole story to a collection of songs mm -hmm. and to an album and to that sound and all those things. Yeah. So the, the building that Lissy has bought and uh, Anne and they're turning into the folk pop. Yes. Yeah. So I yeah, lived. Right I lived on, above on that. Winnebago and, Street. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wrote and then recorded an entire album, and I I've had a lot of help 
throughout the years from different friends and and it, it seems like a bold choice looking back but I think there was a certain energy behind it uh, mm-hmm. there there were logical places to look and be like well that's how this piece could fall together that's how this piece could fall together and and friends that helped along the way so it was it was a great way to spend my early 20s yeah that's a great I love I love hearing that that is that is awesome and in a place that supported it right that thought it was all equally uh, people were supportive and in that environment that people wanted to hear wanted to hear music and things one of the other things we we're talking about was um, T-Box open stage that happened for years and years, right? Yes. Uh, I, I had a lot of guitar students and yeah. it just so happened that, it, it, you know, I look for little systems like that in my business now where it was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm not going to be able to put on recitals, but if I'm hosting this open stage, isn't this a nice connection? And I think of so many local students that first played guitar there or first like sang a song or did a duet maybe with me. And that's a really just lovely memory that I have and yeah. I, I thank Amalia for starting that our, up our and, then, Amalia Vance, and passing yeah, it on <laughs> passing yeah. it on to me and many years worth of, of people who came through that circle I remember one of the first um first weeks I when I moved back to Iowa no no I mean I didn't move back yet and a couple friends said hey you got to come down to T-Box it's open stage night. and I was like I don't know like I'm taking a, I'm on vacation like my work is music like whatever and I went down and like it was the most amazing collection of people I had ever seen in Decora mm-hmm. it was a real moment in time uh, which went on for years yes. it was a really cool and when time. I met Adam my husband the the day that I met him I was playing at a benefit in Lansing. Oh my gosh. And then I I didn't watch his show because he was also playing at the benefit because I left to go to open stage and meet with my guitar teacher, David Reed. Oh, and yeah. I just, I, I always think that there's, there's just this lovely connection uh, right. of, of, you know, Decora and, and a, my life story now. And that's such a good story. I didn't know that either. And, and Dave Reed too. He has another guy who's, who's taught <laughs> hundreds, if not thousands of people how to play guitar. Right? Yes. If I you mean, talk to someone around here who plays guitar, uh, it's, it's, yeah. uncanny like it's like absolutely it all, it all leads back to that Kephart's music and Kephart, yeah <laughs> there there it is i love it so five albums you know young creative energy you know really working on the process on the creativity on writing i mean that is and and you know i think if people are not familiar in that creative process i mean like it can it's a lot of work <laughs> it's a whole mm-hmm. it's a whole mindset to work in which is of course what you have kind of turned around and built a whole other business out of in in this day and age but um one of the things that i'll also mention just in terms of music so the the five albums that you had out there and then as you kind of um transition and work down to things one of the projects i think that's uh, more timely at this point is you have like something almost is like 30 songs a body of work that you've been yes. working on yeah i started writing songs as historical people or about historical events Um, which leads us to savvy history yes (laughs) and it's it's always interesting when people ask what I do I'm like well I'm an online (laughs) freelance educator and I occasionally sing about inventors and people in history whose lives were severely interrupted by world events so there there's two so 30 songs 15 of them are about inventors um, and uh, 15 other ones are about interrupted people in history. Wow. Uh, so that kind of came together during the pandemic. Right. Obviously. No so just kind of referencing these older stories as a guide for what people may be going through. Like what are, what are the universal components and how could they show up in a three minute song? <laughs> right. Just no asking kidding. myself that and just asking that question and also asking how can I be a musician that doesn't tour? Uh, yeah. That 
you know, is a big part of what I don't know how long you've, you've been asking that. yourself that, but that might have been the appropriate question for everyone to have been asking <laughs> the last five years. Yeah. We all would have been much more prepared for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really interesting thing. But in your, you know, in your process to getting there, so you also um, you were working as a musician working full-time, creative, writing, doing those things, and then also started pulling back into kind of what else you wanted to be doing. So you worked as a para, right, educational para, mm-hmm. um, started doing you know, in-school work with students, with young people, teaching guitar, doing some of those things, or teaching you know, music. Yes. Um, and then through that process, uh, ended up getting your master's, mm-hmm. right? You want to tell us a little bit about that or what your, your background focus was in that or how yeah, that led yeah. through to that process? I... Um... I, I realized that I really, really loved songwriting. Uh, so I wanted to continue to write songs, but not have any pressure behind it and not have any eyeballs on it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, there's a career change coming here. What's it going to be? Um, and, and teaching was something that I'd always had in my back pocket as, as a love of mine and working with young creative people and working with kids. Um, so I... And I love online education. I was very comfortable in an online format yeah. and pursuing my degree online. Like I have my master's from uh, Morningside cool. in Sioux City, but I've never been there. And, right. and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And, and uh, this comfortable love of online learning actually like swung around. And now I'm very comfortable as an online teacher. So what an amazing, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that's an incredible moment for you to have been doing that work. And then of course, pandemic and everything else. I mean, and now that that is a very normalized, um, line of education, I, mean, I don't think it's ever going away at this point, <laughs> you yeah. know, despite schools going back in person and those things, I mean, online mm-hmm. education is here, um, at least for a very long time, I think, which is fascinating. And what a cool format to work in for yourself. And of course, uh, be able to have a family, be able to live in rural America, as long as we have reliable internet. That's another show, <laughs> another series of shows. I certainly <laughs> hope so. Because it, it runs my day, how all the internet's working. So. Right? Uh, yeah. And and so, you know, but that is a really interesting and I think a, a unique um, somewhat experience for around here as well. And for people to, you know, not only are you from here and you, there's stories, you know, people are moving to rural America from other areas or some of those things and who are, you know, can work from anywhere. And those are great stories too. That's an interesting and, and fascinating dynamic, but you have your roots here, you've been here, and yet this is the way you embraced it. And I think we'll probably unpack a little bit of that in just a minute as well because uh, that kind of brings us up to savvy history right and and uh, your website savvyhistory.com uh, my guest is michelle lynn of savvy history uh, we're going to take a real quick break here and when we come back we're going to talk more about the website more about writing projects you've been doing creative process uh, a few different things so we'll uh, we'll check it out here in just a second thanks for being here michelle sounds great Aaron here, founder of Inspired Media. Since 2007, Inspired has been creating hyper-local positive news, featuring the people, places, and things that make our communities great. We inspire our readers through stories about our neighbors. People are good, and positive news is for everyone. Find us in print and online at iloveinspired.com. That's the one and only Aaron Henny Nichols, my wife, my business partner, founder of Inspired Media 
great to have her voice on the show as well. We have another show coming up with her soon. Uh, might be a reoccurring theme as we put out our quarterly issues of Inspired Magazine and unpack everything that we're doing. Find it all online at iloveinspired.com. But my guest here today on Rhymes with Decora is Michelle Lynn. We are unpacking all sorts of cool stuff, the creative process. Uh, savvy History, Michelle's latest project, the world she creates here from Decora. Uh, Michelle, tell us a little bit about how Savvy History started and how you got to that place. Well, Savvy History started as a blog. Um, as a young mom, I found that I couldn't get around the guitar very much, but I wanted to hone my writing a little bit in more uh, concrete technical terms versus poetry and songwriting, just realizing there's those lands where you are explaining something to someone else and hopefully they yeah. understand it versus those <laughs> lands where you can be very abstract, like I was saying, and, and leave it leave room for interpretation. So I, I started blogging. Uh, I, I really centered around uh, the, the science of creativity. I, yeah. I meet a lot of creative people and they seem excited when they realize that there's a special branch of psychology that studies creativity. Absolutely. Yeah. And I came across that while studying gifted education um, for my master's. And I, I wanted to bridge this gap of all these creative, lovely, artistic people that I met that maybe never thought about themselves as gifted. And there's all this uh, profound, lovely information in the gifted education world. And how can it be offered to people that identify more with the word creative? Yeah. Um, so I just wanted a place to start blogging and writing about that. And I put myself online and on a couple of different platforms. Did I dabbled around in freelance writing and yeah. met some really cool people, a couple of collaborative projects. Um, and the freelance writing part, I just had to set off to the side when a, some really intense um, edu freelance education gigs came my way. Sure. And one of those was a, a dad who saw what I was doing online, and he lived in Chicago, and his son was a Davidson Young Scholar. And Davidson Young Scholars are profoundly gifted students in the 99.9th percentile of uh, testing. And that's a, a person with a profile that's one out of 1,000. Sure. And he said, can you connect my child with other Davidson Young scholars from around the wow. country. Yeah. And he thought he had like 40 students. And he was like, if you ran online homerooms, you could run three to four of oh, them a day. Oh my goodness, right? And when that came my way, I just said, <laughs> what's going to drop off my schedule? And <laughs> no that kidding. was, of course, social media and maybe the freelance thing that had kind of started taking off, but not as much yet. Yeah. And, and to just serve serve these kids that during the pandemic were at home um, and, and the profound thankfulness that I would hear from parents yeah. to find um, an educator willing to serve them. So I was like, well, that's what's steering now. Just work, work with what the world is throwing at you. Absolutely. An incredible opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that's... really beautiful kids. I, I spent every day with them right, right, <laughs> as their right. homeroom teacher Monday yeah. through Friday and hosted these Zooms. Would they so, focus mostly in the Midwest or all over the country? All over the country. Yeah. What a cool yeah. experience. So it, it's just like this idea that uh, you know, we're not in New York or LA or uh, Portland. We're in like hyperspace and we're not in the cool town, the cool small town that I'm from. Right. Uh, so it, it was an amazing opportunity. And out of that, uh, this, this base of like gifted homeschool rooms, just one-on-one -on -one tutoring or one-on-one, -on -one, I call it creativity coaching. If there's a better sure. word for it, I'll look for it. No, but I, uh, love it. I started yeah. doing that with certain kids one-on-one -on -one, and I, I really, really love doing it. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. And it, it's interesting to not know what five years from now looks like. Sure. Right. But right, absolutely. Uh, 
And and I will say, and so as in previous, as you were working up into that into that place, um, a couple of other things had kind of landed underneath your your savvy history umbrella, right? I mean, one of the things you just mentioned was the fact that uh, you weren't using social media for a while. Um, one of the series I really loved that you have have been writing under under savvy history is actually the first creative dollar series. Um, and I kind of you know the three I think the three themes I saw that were that were kind of listed along with savvy history is you got kind of your folk music background and music and performance, creative psychology, and then sort of this idea of like business history, mm-hmm. right? Or, or writing from that perspective, which is a great angle. Like it's just a neat, interesting, really interesting angle. Um, so you know, and everybody, if like I think some of the ones I saw were like Frederick Douglass, Louisa May Alcott, Rachel Carson, Bob Ross. Who doesn't love Bob Ross, right? <laughs> and, and actually, I know Bob Ross's story is actually really fascinating. But, it is. It's fascinating. Uh, yeah. And I love diving into the, to the lives of historical people. It's just something I've always loved. I've always loved biographies. And then I was like, well, if I have to give it an angle of some kind, could sure. I try to dig for the first way they made money uh, off yeah. their creativity? And what would that look like? And, and for creative people, that's a huge struggle. Because a mm-hmm. lot of the times you're like, I don't even, I don't even want to make money off my creativity. Like it's a real, that's a real yeah. dynamic that everybody has to, to go through. Or there's years of making nothing or, right. or there's giving up one project for another and how how do you make I just find decision making personally to be the part that I've narrowed in on right now is this hard part about being a creative absolutely (laughs) you have so many ideas come in and then the decision making process so one of the other things I want to mention because you you mentioned it previously as well but in that process and as you were doing this work your experience with social media was less than positive I think that this is a statement that most of us could make at this point in time outside of maybe keeping um, family and friend connections from across the country, you know, specifically through pandemic. And other, you know, some of those networks are really nice to have. They're easy ways to communicate and you can feel connected to people. Beyond that, um, you know, so I think the post you actually wrote was um, I quit social media for six years. <laughs> And then how right? a stories from how a story from the 1920s brought me back, which is an Don't amazing, an amazing <laughs> curveball to the whole thing. But I, I'm actually going to just read like the, the slight quote, because I think people will relate to this in so many ways. And particularly with the dynamics of our world right now, I think it's a really valiant point. And you just sent you know, what you said was your brain had reached full social capacity and just kind of busted, you know, it's just like your brain just, and I get that feeling entirely. You're just like, I can't take anymore. Like mm-hmm. this is pointless and it's not doing any good to just be online and yell at each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or not at each other, but people like, in, in, you know, in general, um, you know, did, did using social media in the above ways cause unnecessary internal discord? Yes. Was this a waste of precious time? Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> so I quit. <laughs> So yes, we're revisiting me at 26 right now. <laughs> but um, I think that line is such like, <laughs> there's so much value in that. I think what, it, you know, what the full conversation comes around, I want you to unpack it a little bit, is that it has its time and place, but like we really have to keep it in its time and place and for the right uses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I love technology now as as I mentioned earlier, I think it connects like-minded people around the world that possibly would have never met each other 100 or even 50 years from now. Right. Um, but there's a learning curve that everyone has to go through, like their personal philosophy on how am I going to use this massive tool that is exciting and, and both terrifying if I truly realize the implications of it. And yeah. uh, uh, what is that, Carl? There's a Carl Jung quote. Uh, unearned wisdom like beware of unearned wisdom it's something like that and when i think of all this knowledge flying around and i'm like uh you've got to earn knowledge too and also just understand cognitive load 
And cognitive load is that idea that our mind can only hold so much at a time, especially if we're switching in between things. And if I want to do deeper work, what is this going to mean for me? Especially if I want to reinvent my songwriting, which I did. I wanted to move away from uh, focused singer songwriting that was more psychological and and based on me sorting through my stuff and growing up to this songwriting that's just what I consider to be a, a... a personal practice of mine to just keep perspective oh, each yeah. day, which is diving into the lives of other people. And, and I, I'll, I'll process my own stuff, but I'll do it through the lens of a different story. When I think I, I am not a songwriter, I've never been one, but I, but I've spent time around them. Uh, no, but I, and I think anybody I know, my friends in Nashville and other places that have truly worked in songwriting and our work on songwriting. I mean, it is a daily practice like anything else. I mean, you have to work at it and mm-hmm. everyone I think finds that interest or that level or that, that space, that topic that they can go back to, to, work from or use it as a frame or a lens and so I mean I think that's an incredible thing and and yours I think is so unique and interesting uh with the historical aspect to it is so is so good and And so fun yeah I wanted to see what songs can do when they're like if we thought of or or I think of in the future offering keynote concerts versus a keynote speaker yeah like what if the banter in between songs fed into a song at a stronger level uh, if it was talking about what we can learn from inventors, then throw in the knowledge about the creative process and how it's a staged process right? Uh, and, and just weave a, a bigger picture. And I'd always loved themed. I loved themed albums. I write, I was writing concept albums, but I, I think the idea of the concept was a little bit more abstract, whereas this concept just shows up in a more obvious way. So yeah. it, it's still the same thing, me writing the way I wrote before. It's just that, it seems like the people grab onto the idea a little faster. It makes a little more sense to them or, or the first creative dollar thing yes. is something I've gotten a nice response from. Cause I just think people uh, like to learn from narrative, learn from stories. We've been Ab- built absolutely. that way for a long time. And historically, I think, you know, so often, unless you really go back and dig into a biography, you have no, I mean, people know who historical figures are, but I mean, there are some really, really great examples in the, in the posts that you've written about folks. And then that work their way into songs too, that are just really unique stories that I think are um, relatable and not relatable, depending on what they are. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but things that are really, really um, fascinating for sure. So to, to put a cap on the, the internet piece or on the, on the social media piece, um, you did come back <laughs> to social media eventually. Yeah. Found your way to use it as a tool <laughs> for your songwriting and sharing information. And of course, you're immersed in technology every day that you're working with young people all over the country. And all um, over the world. And all over the world. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, that's it's something about our lives that, you know, you have to find a balance, but there's also clearly a very valuable tool for you uh, and just using those correctly. So, uh, uh, Instagram is one of the places, right? Um, <laughs> savvy history, S A V V Y history. And, you know, there I know I've seen videos where you um, unpack song ideas, whether they're part of the series that you've already written or songs, you know, that you're just working through. And and, uh, I think a couple of the ones I watched recently were more just like, here's songs that aren't going to make it into. (laughs) But but every artist, every writer has those. You're like, but here's one that's not going to make it. But here's why or here's what it is or, you know, check it out. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm thinking of this as like a demo process. And I actually was thinking of how can I communicate to Adam, my bassist? I was like, how do I collect these ideas and solidify them and uh, (laughs) just organize? (laughs) I'm I'm laughing because he has a lot coming his way. And and 30 (laughs) songs, uh, even as I just sit here demoing them, I'm like, I've created a nice mountain. I'll be climbing it for a while. If people want to watch, they can... (laughs) 
but that's I can a, hop on and watch. It's a great <laughs> process to have it. And also I think creatively creatively, it's nice to have sort of a body of work that you have in motion. You know, and and I think it's up to all, you know every artist of what you do with that work and how you present it and what you what you choose to do with it. But to have that ability to work from it, to have a a little um, mind that you can keep going back to, right, is a valuable thing. Versus mm-hmm. um, sitting in front of the blank piece of paper or the thing, just trying to go, okay, what's next? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and some of the topics I just wanted to mention because I wrote a really fun list for myself were everything from um, orphan trains, which are a super serious topic and an amazing piece of history that has all sorts of uh, crazy sidetracks to it, um, but also prison breaks, <laughs> the Dust Bowl, yes, circus acrobats. <laughs> yep, I like to keep it interesting. Uh, prairie fires. Prairie fires, yes, mm-hmm. I love it. But obviously, as I was looking through some of those, they're all historically based. I mean, they all reach back to something that has a deeper story to it, a deeper meaning, and that's you know that's where that all comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. I love it. Um, in terms of uh, well, the one other thing I should point out is that I think maybe one of the most valuable pieces of um, history that'll be remembered in the future uh, for people about the internet is that cats basically rule the internet. <laughs> And uh, and that there are a lot of statistics on this. There are many, if you want to argue with Benji? Many statistics about this. The figures are a few years old at this point. Something like twenty six billion views on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so we should all just keep that in mind when, at some point in the near future, uh, you can't go online without uh, dealing with the cats first. Mm-hmm. Not really. It's a good joke. Uh, okay, two fun questions for you before we go, because my uh, my daughter and my wife have been helping me. Um, helping me uh, come up with fun questions for this podcast as well. Life in rural Iowa. Uh, what do you think the best part is right now about living in rural Iowa? Anything this, come to the top of your mind? The people. The people. And and like the the three, two days, three days this week that are actual like blue sky, <laughs> sunshine. Although I almost got eaten to death by mosquitoes finally last night. Yeah. It's like we're there. But yeah. so. I, I do like um, just the, the people that I've met uh, that, continue to move here or have been here a long time and, and getting to know them better. Just yeah. like talking to you today. It's like, there are so many people that I see on the street. I, I meet once in a while and just to have a long form chat. And, and that's what you're providing with the podcast. So even when it's not me chatting with them, <laughs> and I have to mention that I went on a walk this morning and I was listening to Benji while I ran into Benji. And now was, everyone can do this. That was everyone a very meta moment. <laughs> listen sorry. to Benji and run into Benji. It was absolutely terrifying. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> But not running into you. I love running into you. <laughs> Realizing. No, it was very cool. Uh, the last question, too. What's what's your perfect summer day in Northeast Iowa or our region? What's your favorite thing to do? And or the fact that you have kiddos and a family. What What's uh, what's like your dream day right now? Yeah, this is a good thing to think through. And it definitely involves some songwriting, nice. uh, some alone time. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then meeting maybe one on one with a good friend, somebody like that. And a nice walk on Doug Road with my with my two boys yeah. and, and my husband, if he can make it, if he's not running the Dorian camp. But right. that's still part of a nice, perfect, perfect summer day it is totally, that he's that he's out over helping with that. So it totally <laughs> is. 
Friends, Michelle Lynn from Savvy History has been my guest today. It's been so much fun to talk, Michelle, that we could go on for hours, I'm pretty sure. I appreciate all of your uh, creative work, your creative input, the work you're doing here and afar is a pretty cool story, I think. So thanks for being our guest. Thank you for the impetus for finally starting this show. We appreciate that. Uh, well, we'll, thank you we'll for, see where we can for take it. following through on it. <laughs> you're doing an excellent job. Thank you. Uh, find out more. You can check out Michelle's work at SavvyHistory.com. S-A-V-V-Y history.com. Uh, this is a project of Inspired Media. Find us online at I Love Inspired. If you've enjoyed the music on this show today, it is the work of Mr. Nick Zielinski. Nick is a decoran. He is a drummer. He does amazing work. You can find him on Instagram at indicative of drumming. We appreciate it, and we will catch you next time. It's Rhymes with Decora. Thank you.